Hey guys, Larbdot here. So today we are going to be covering part two of the Mordavia group thread rule suggestions, rules change podcast that I started uh, two days ago. We are going to just pick up from where I left off there. So if you didn't listen to that one, go ahead and go listen to that one first. If you are not a Mardavia player, this might not be the best podcast to just chill on unless you're really trying to learn the in-depth ideas I have behind rule suggestions and stuff like that. Um, you should already kind of know the rule book before listening to this. Otherwise, it's going to be a bunch of garbage and uh, not really make much sense to you. So without further ado... I'm going to go ahead and just pick up back where I left off. Um, first question, our suggestion. Repair as a mechanic has been taken out of the book while Shatter references it. Without repair, Shatter is effectively the same as Obliterate. Yeah, uh, definitely needs to have some clarification on what repairs it. How do you repair items that have been shattered? Because otherwise you can't repair them. And that's pretty important. So yeah, that should definitely be reassessed and looked at for sure. Definitely agree. Next question, our suggestion. Along the lines of dissipation effects at tier one, I honestly think after playing a Wildkin for this long, Devour should be moved to being gained at tier three, similar to how they get True Scent at tier five. I, I agree with that one. It goes back into how we previously discussed in part one of this. Um, any ability that lets you just kill, kill stuff at tier one is really, really strong. Devour bypasses a lot of balances things in the game on its own. And Devour on its own is already really, really strong. So getting it at tier one is just really silly. I think the Varkalak balancing at tier one, three, and five when you get your embraces should uh totally be reassessed no doubt there this next one i wrote um is something that i think people are cheese dicking rather than uh, and cheese dicking if you're not familiar is yeah you know the way you're supposed to play it but you're going to find a way around it anyway because you don't like how the rules are and uh you'd rather play in this gray area than play the rules as they're pretty obviously intended to be played. So don't be a cheese dick. Clarify and create concrete written rulings for enchantments. An example of that in Mordavia is you should never be able to remove a charm or dominate from yourself since you mechanically don't even know you are charmed or dominated. Right? Someone charms you, you can't remove the charm because you don't know that you're charmed. You're enchanted. You don't see past that reality that has been shown to you through the enchantment. Same thing with dominate. You can't just remove it from yourself. Not by yourself. Uh, mechanically, that doesn't make sense. And you know better. You know who you are. You know better. Don't do it. But we'll write something in the rule books or have something written in the rule books to make sure that I guess that's phrased better. Next one. Proposal for custom verbals for single schools. 
Like if you worship Ephraim and are a firecaster, you could use by word of Ephraim. Or for black magic, by word of greed slash lust. I like and don't like the idea of that. Um, the reason that I don't like it is it opens up the doors for a lot of cheating. And that might sound like a silly thing to say, but without all of the game that's playing with this special verbal, knowing that this is a proper in-play verbal to use, they really have no way of knowing if you're properly saying your incantations in the game. And by keeping the verbals as they are written in the rule book, are incredibly minimizing the amount of rule book, uh, non-rule book spells. You, you just set yourself up for less failure. Um, you, I, I, I get it. Immers, immersion wise, this is a really really good idea, but balance and cheating wise, it's not as good of an idea. Or well, it still is. It's just super duper hard to enforce, right? Um, players mess up their verbals having them in the rule book, and honestly, the verbals that are in the rule book haven't changed in half a decade. So, players are still messing that up, and they're wondering if things are being said right. So, to add a whole nother customizable list of verbals is really convoluted. It's really, it's, it's just gonna muddy things up. Um, next one. After going sword and board this whole iteration, I realized that it is one of the weakest forms of combat, since a lot of good single-handed stuff comes from agility, very late, or through combat styles. And having a shield makes you a huge target for massive and magic, which sucks tremendously at any tier of mod. Maybe adding a third tree of combat would help balance this out, might, agility, and defensive. Um... No, I think sword and board, as shields currently are, shields are crazy. Um, shields can't be shattered in the current rule book. They can't be pierced, which is two things that really happen to shields, and that's just kind of silly to me. Um, so yeah, they are a big spacket target, but shields are pretty good. I get that you don't want that you want access to the good single-handed stuff from agility i'm hearing that but like i honestly think if we're gonna buff the one-handed abilities from shields we're gonna have to nerf shields are the weapon you're holding in your offhand we're gonna have to nerf shields because shields not being able to be pierced is silly it really is i i think mechanically it's silly um no i mean yeah that that, that could be looked into but um, I see a lot of good stuff with Sword and Board this past iteration. I saw a lot of good stuff with it. We, they can maybe look at some recipes or some things to balance out the shields themselves rather than um, or maybe give an ability that grants more attack in your offhand and you can still hold a shield, something like that. But... Nah, I think shields are really strong. Sword and board is, is really strong. And having a counter of sword and board be magical spells is kind of playing into the rock, paper, scissors. So if we change that and say, oh, well, they could block spells or they could do this or they could do that. Now we're changing the dynamic of balance and making them too strong. So it's kind of 
kind of, uh, I, I, I think they're strong. But there are some things you could look at in that. So I'll, I'll kind of meet you 20% there. Next one. Bard tools should be changed to sheet music, which needs to be crafted by a tailor or scholar or something along those lines. Having an instrument be used up after a use is very strange to see. Instruments should add to your bardic uses per day based on tier. Sheet music adds targets. Instrument adds uses per day. Um, I get the general idea there. Um, the problem is not all bards are musicians. So, But the concept here is still really sound. So instead of sheet music, it could be recipes for a um, chef or it could be lore or written stories for a orator. So yeah, the musical instrument or whatever the other type of bard equivalent is being used up after singing a song doesn't make immersive sense. It's stupid. I, I agree with that. Uh, that. That should add to your bardic uses per day. I agree also that the sheet music or like I said, equivalent can add to the targets. Um, it can maybe even be a the sheet music stuff. We could then make that, I don't know, something that you could do with your Bard Universals because in your IAs. Because IAs for Bard are really, really lackluster right now. So let's say you could make this sheet music yourself and it becomes a single use of your Bardic talent that you get the next episode. Um, I think to keep that balanced, it would have to be a kind of, well, use it or lose it thing where you have to use it that episode, but that way you just can't stockpile them. That ends up being really, really overpowered, in my opinion, knowing how Bard works in the game. But yeah, the rest of the stuff sounds really solid, and no, you should not be breaking a, a guitar at the end of every song. I mean, that's, I guess, if that's how you want to play it, but that's ridiculous. Next one. In my opinion, I think tools should have a tier list and not be consumed. Example, a tier one tool should not be able to craft a tier five item, but I don't think a tool should be consumed after one use. Also make it hard to get a higher tier tool through role play. That way you can't have tier five weaponry out early game just because you're a high tier crafter. But... If you're a high-tier crafter, you, um... Yeah, if you're a high-tier crafter, you can make this stuff as long as you have the materials to make it. So, as it currently stands, the tools, yeah, they should be reassessed. But, um... Nah. I, I, I think if you went through the trouble of becoming a tier five and this is just an example of course if you went through the trouble of becoming a tier five blacksmith by tier f by level seven or eight or whatever that's, that's already impressive and then you find the tier five materials to craft like that you deserve to get your tier five material your tier five weapons or whatever the hell you wanted to make a tool can make that better it can make it I don't know, We could you could make more of them in your IAs, you could do something like that, but no, it doesn't take a tier 5 tool, it takes a tier 5 craftsman, which would know the tools and be able to immersively MacGyver whatever they needed to do to turn that material into whatever they wanted it to be at being a grandmaster of whatever that universal is.
Next one uh, is one I wrote, and it's actually a really big one. So whoever's listening that can change these rules, just be ready to talk this one out with me if it doesn't change, because I've talked to this with a lot of people, and it's the way the current... Ah, I'm just going to read it. Suggestion to allow guildmasters the ability to delegate their assigned IAs per blooded members throughout their guild if they so choose, rather than virtually forcing them into spending 15 plus advantages into universals. Okay, so the current way guildmaster works is the guildmaster themselves gets the IAs from all their blooded members based on the guild. So to keep things simple, let's say you're a rank one guild or a tier one guild and you have all five blooded members. Your guild gets 10 IAs to spend into universals or to spend into IAs. But those IAs can only be spent by the guild master in universals that that guild master has. So basically, the way the current system is, is it requires the guild master to be this universal slave to the guild. And if they don't have the universals, the universals don't get used. So like your, your guild master better be a blacksmith if you want blacksmithing. It better be an artisan if you want artisan stuff. Any universal that you want to use in IAs in your guild, if you're, as it currently stands, if your guild master does not have it, you don't get the additional IAs. That's ridiculous. The concept behind that, as it was explained to me, is, oh, well, but you're supposed to be a guild of nothing but blacksmiths, and that doesn't make sense either. That's not a guild. That's a union. <laughs> like, guilds in the real world, I mean, like, maybe that's a club, but guilds are out there being self-sufficient, doing their own thing. They do not have to all be blacksmiths. They all have to have a common goal in mind, but that doesn't have to be based on one individual thing. And even if it was a guild of all blacksmiths, okay, we are all blacksmiths. And this is still ridiculous, but I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. We're all blacksmiths. How do we get the materials? Um, well, we need a gatherer. No, we don't get any help for gathering. We're just blacksmiths. Um... Yeah, how do we get the gems and uh, how do we craft the gems to be out of socket? No, we don't. We don't because we're all blacksmiths. How do we get to the locations to gather the items? We, well, we don't have any prospectors because we're all blacksmiths. That's ridiculous. And forcing your guildmaster to be the definitive, oh, well, I can just do it all. None of my guildmates have to have any other universals is ridiculous. It's, it's, there's no other way around that. That's just poorly written. It needs to be changed. Um, your guild master is supposed to be the leader of this guild. So the way I think it should work and how I've spoke to with everyone else about it thinks it should work is, okay, those 10 IAs that you get from your five blooded members, as the guild master, it is your decision to assign those IAs throughout any of your blooded members in the guild. So if for whatever reason the guild in that interlude needs to build 10 weapons, I'm going to throw all 10 of those IAs at my blacksmith. If it needs to build 5 weapons and 5, um, five I don't know, 
insert other thing, uh, five traps. I am going to assign five of those IAs to my blacksmith and five of those IAs to my tinkerer. That's how a guild master should be. That delegation, that making sure the ship is sailing upright and proper is what a guild master does. A guild master isn't some slave that is sitting tinkering and doing all these things by himself while the guild just gets all the rewards. That's ridiculous. Uh, I, I know I, I've harped on this for a minute, but no, that's, that's not how a guild works. Um, next one plays into the same thing. This next one says, Another thing for guildmasters that has been mentioned to other plot before, allow guildmasters the ability to be retainers for nobles. It just makes sense to me. Nobles can be other nobles' retainers, and a guild working with a noble would benefit both parties and bring about some interesting roleplay as well. Um... Yeah, I don't. I it would have to be assessed on the balance side to make sure that this doesn't that this could work out and not be too ridiculous. Everyone's buddy buddy, everyone's everything. Because at that point, you get to a point. Well, well, what what is the guild about? But yeah, um, your guild master, as it currently stands, has no like uh, servitude on him or her or anything like that. So I don't see. Why a guildmaster can't be a retainer, um, if they would choose to be a retainer. I mean, if anything, they're kind of just really putting all their eggs in one basket, hoping that this one noble house is worth investing the entirety of your guild's resources into. But, yeah, that's... I could see that. That could be worth looking... That, that's worth looking into. Next one. Alchemy is absolutely perfect. Don't touch it. Yes, alchemy is perfect. Don't touch it. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, alchemy is really good. I, I'm going to be doing a tier list of um, magics and whatnot eventually. But that just wasn't really a suggestion. It was just something funny there. Go ahead. I'm reading all the ones that were properly done. Next one. How about you get an additional IA per tier your character is? Yeah, I, I I think that's okay. Um, you're getting more important. You might have more stuff to do, and you're getting more capable of multitasking as you become stronger in existence. Okay, I'm, I I can get behind that. That sounds pretty good. Next one. Take a look at half orcs. They kind of blow compared to the other races. Resilience makes sense for an NPC raiding party, but a racial resist physical would help put them on par with other races that all get resists and dodges. Some sort of rally of troops group tactics ability makes more sense on the orcs than on humans. I'm a horrible half-orc and have no half-orc racials other than totem casting, so it doesn't affect me at all, really. However, when the only T5 half-orc PC has zero combat, the race probably isn't working as intended. No, you just didn't stat like a half-orc. Um, yeah, some of the stuff could be reassessed, but half-orcs have access to Berserk, um, which might be for fighting raid parties the strongest racial. Immunity to ailments is insane. Um, and they actually, reading further, um, half-orcs to a, a degree do have their own group tactics in the sense that they can pick up chieftain and then buy into their racials to where they don't 
attack one another when berserk. So that's no. Um, I think half orcs are really strong as is. Their resilience uh, eventually gets to a point where they are very, very hard to kill. They have the highest hit points of any race in the game. Giving them a resist physical is fine. But honestly, Berserk gets you there almost on its own. Um, Berserk has to be addressed in any serious mod that's written. Because you, if you don't plan for Berserk or accept that Berserk will be a weakness of your mod, your Berserk throws all ailments out the window. And I, I, I don't think that it's being considered how ridiculously strong that is. Um, but yeah, like, the resist physical thing might be okay. Um, I think that half works, and I think this is covered later, but I'm just to kind of to not just be like I'm being a prick here, because I'm not... Um, Half orcs should get. They should get rid of this the combat prodigy thing. Combat prodigy stupid. They should just give them combat affinity, but make them choose if they want it to be might or agility. They can't get combat affinity and get free stamina or whatnots into the other schools. Whenever they go up, they have to choose might or agility. But I think um, combat affinity on its own is going to be good enough. Um, that's kind of it on that. Next one is one that I wrote, and it is more of just a need clarification situation here. Suggestion to explicitly state which spells and abilities can have multiple stacks and which ones cannot. Um, that goes for empowering spells. That goes for can I get plus hit points from this, then plus hit points from this, then plus hit points from this. And there is good clarification there, but not to the degree that it needs to be. Um, we just need to assess that stuff. Y'all need to look at it and say, okay, well, how can this be further abused? How can this be dealt with? Next one. Gray magic spells that use IAs but don't give any extra are bunk. Scribe scroll, scribe scroll 2, and scry should grant at least one IA each. Maybe you get an IA that can only be used on gray magic for every gray spell you pick up. So you have no universals, but you do have scribe scroll 1 and mana boon 1, so you can use one IA on anything and two that can be used for scribing scrolls. Or just make scribe scroll part of scholar, which makes a ton, which makes a fuck ton more sense. I would be it would be nice for low-tier scholars to have scholar do something aside from giving you the ability to hear staff say you aren't high enough tier to do that yet. Um, yeah, I think uh, making that into scholar is the most realistic thing there because scholar is kind of limited on what it allows. I don't like the ability of... Uh, I don't like something giving you spell points and an IA because that's kind of off balance there but i see what needs to happen there um so i think just making it part of scholar could help um yeah i think that should work out all right and in conjunction with allowing the the ranks of character like if you're a tier two character you get an additional ia i think that would help with the scribe scroll thing even if you don't buy in scholar Next one. Death's door. It blows. Can we get a useful replacement? 
It already costs two mana and a five-minute ritual to soul reap someone at tier two. It effectively costs another two mana on top because fog is almost always going along with that. If a tier two spell needs three mana minimum plus a five-minute ritual, then it shouldn't be a tier two spell. Necro lost a spell that is actually useful and synergy with nature that was useful. For a useless spell that just milks your mana in certain situations. Mm, the rest of this is all just an opinion. The top is a suggestion, so I'm just going to kind of leave it there. Yeah, just give them back Bestial Claws. I guess that would be something they had Bestial Claws previously. They could go ahead and get it back. Um, the two mana thing for a Reap Soul, no one is making you fog anyone. You're choosing to fog them. So, and also the ability to reap a soul at tier two. Necromancy's tier two is the strongest tier two in the game by leaps and bounds. You could pretty much just buy into tier two necromancy and you, you have access to, in my opinion, almost everything that makes necromancy worth getting. You can reap a soul. You can kill, kill someone in dissipation. You can embrace death, which is insane at tier two. No, it that's just really, really strong. You can fog. Like, tier two is really, really strong for necromancy. Probably the strongest tier... Well, definitely the strongest tier two in the game. And likely the strongest single tier when it comes to what the tier gets of any school of magic throughout the entirety of the game based on resourcefulness and what the school of magic is trying to do. But yeah, I mean, I guess Death's Door could go... And just give them back Beastal Claws, give them back something like that. I, I don't know. I think Necromancy's strong as hell, and all you edge lords, all you edge lords, know it is. <laughs> Next one. IA should be timed based, not per tier of ability based. Uh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. IA should be time based, not per tier of ability based. Everyone gets four because there are only four weeks in a month. You want more, start doing do it all. No, part of buying into universals is understanding efficiency and understanding how to get things done in a short amount of time. So I'm going to just kind of hard say no to that one. Um, I think you could get more. I think that part of buying into universal, like I said, is efficiently being able to do those things in a month. Next one. If you cast in rage at a caster... They have to do a melee attack, question mark? Um, no, that's not how it's written at all, nor is this a suggestion. Um, no, I'm just going to skip that one. Next one. And I believe this is going to be the last one of this one. We're going to go into a part three, which will probably be a little shorter, just to finish this out. Add verbiage under alchemy that concretes the ability for a player to roleplay the mixing or coding three counts instead of saying them out loud for immersion purposes. It's in the rulebook. Yeah, um, but it should be more clarified. The rulebook says you could really do anything immersively for the proper amount of time or through the proper counts and get what you want done. But yeah, uh, the mo one most commonly used is someone shakes their hand in the air three times and throws a gas 
or someone coats over a weapon three times and applies a coating. So it could definitely be specifically put into that alchemy section. Just as a reminder, hey, if you see someone doing this, they're not cheating, they're following the rules of immersion. Um, but like I said, that works and it is written as is, but that's, yeah, it should be there. Next one that we're going to be going on just to not lose, um, not to lose my spot in case I forget is about the guidelines of items given out and approval from multiple staff members. So that that's a really big one, and it'll take more than the two minutes I have left now before I hit 30. Um, so we're going to start off next part three, which will be the last part of this little mini-series of podcasts in this rulebook thread. So like we're going to restart that in likely two days. I hope that you guys are finding this entertaining. I hope that you guys are kind of gaining insight to how I believe the rule book should work and what my feedback, because I'm basing this off of talking about a lot of this with other people too, um, that we're just kind of getting an understanding on why things are the way they are and what changes should be done. And of course, this is all my opinion. You just listen to me ramble about it. So I do hope that at that part is at least informative and entertaining. I'll likely finish this one out and then we'll get back to your scheduled broadcasting. Hope you guys have a great day. LARP on.